I'm just going to do it how we normally do it. I'm not even going to try and use the $600 microphone that I bought, especially so that we can sound better. Jed, welcome to the Loose Head Sports Show, the number one sports show in the world. Take 10. Take 10. We won a fucking test match. Talk me through it. What are your thoughts a day on? I'm still surprised. I think it's, it was an outstanding game all round, to be honest. But the... Um, you know, when like you haven't won a test match in that long, you sort of wait the whole game to lose. Like I was just waiting for something to happen. Um, so when Quaid stepped up and banged the uh, banged that penalty, it was it was somewhat surreal. Uh, it's just been that long. I swear this is true. About twenty minutes into the second half, I was going to write on Facebook. Uh, I bet you any money Quaid kicks the winning goal to win the game at, at the end of the game. How, how much of an influence do you think having someone with a little bit of experience in the number 10 position actually made on the team? Like, no, no disrespect to Noah, but he's 21, 22 years old. And, and having Quaid's experience as a 33, 34-year-old now had to have made a difference. Yeah, I mean, he has been there and done it before. So there is an element where he is experienced. Like, he's undoubtedly experienced. He's played, what, 70 tests, something like that. Um, he, I'm, I can't speak for the, you know, the, the ins and outs of the team and how he felt. Um, he kicked well. I can't, like, I, I've been advocating to anyone that will listen that you have to have an almost perfect goal kicker to win tests. He kicked well. So... If that's what he, if that's what he's new, like he's re, he's reborn as a guy who, let's be honest, he didn't have the zip and the right foot step and the this and the that. But if he's going to be a one hundred percent goal kicker, welcome. But do you need to have so if you if you punch Quade Cooper highlights into YouTube, I think 2011, 20, 2012, he was almost you know for for lack of a better term, like a bit of a magician around the field, like he. He was doing all this crazy sort of stuff. And I think the way the way I see it anyway, the test rugby is going, is you probably don't need those guys so much anymore in playmaker positions. And having having a steady um, a steady hand and someone who's calm under pressure might actually be better than the young Quaid, if that makes sense. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I mean there's a there's a reason why a lot of Quaid's tests were off the bench, particularly as a young guy. I mean, I was his biggest fan. I'd stay up late on spring tour to watch him get 10 minutes against Italy because I knew he was going to step the fullback, you know, and do something cool. But it doesn't, it's, it's never been what really anyone's looked for in 10 at international level. I mean, you look at our great 10s, Bernie, Lark Bernie Larkham, Foley, Gitto, like it, they're not, they're not 50-50 play guys. So if he's going to, if he's reborn as like a guy who, you know, he takes a line on occasionally, he passes to Kareb, who's unbelievable at the moment, um, and he kicks goals, you know, at sort of 90%, that's fine. Like that's that's pretty much, that's, that's more than Noah's doing. Hey, do you think that we will keep picking him then? Well, he's, my, my, my greatest interest is how long kicking eight from eight will grant him in terms of tenure with not only the team, but the public. Because we've got, you know, a few more tests now. Um, 
great teams win more than once. It was fucking outstanding to see the Australian public happy that we want to test. By the way, we kicked eight goals and we scored one try. As we've been saying, no one cares. They just want to win. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what tenure is granted. Like if he's if he's average next week, will we will everyone turn on him? If he's average against Argentina, will everyone turn on him? I think he'll get I think he'll get at least two more games now. But my point would be when will everyone turn on him again? But he's it's it's really funny to see to see a character like him because he's for whatever reason he's a divisive character. People either love him or hate him. And it's something I don't really understand. And I think it's probably a little bit of a throwback to his younger days where he was, you know, I think he'd probably admit he was a little bit out there and, you know, for lack of a better way of describing it, a little bit of a dickhead, as you would be growing up playing number 10 for the Wallabies as a 22-year-old. I certainly would be. Do you think it's just a a flow-on from that or is it, what is it? What is it? Do you think? Why? Why does he have this sort of? Well, he, made, he, rubbed, he rubbed, There was uh, Drew. I don't know what him and Drew Mitchell's relationship is, but he, Drew Mitchell sort of brought up, or maybe it's Nick McCarter brought up the, the incidents that basically led to to his fallout. And he had, you know, he rubbished the Red program when he left. Sorry, um, he rubbished the rugby, the Australian rugby program when he left. You know, he sort of he had a couple of incidents like he was from what I heard, you know, and we were somewhat in that circle, not entirely. He was one of those guys that was like Cipriani and like James O'Connor, like when they were young, like you're either in the cool group or you're not. And like, he would split a, he would split a team in half like that. Um, yeah. But you know, he's, he's, he's fucking 34. You can tell he's 34 because he doesn't behave like that anymore. So you know, he's not, he's not going to do that. He, you're right, he is experienced. Um, it's, I think some people still wouldn't like it because it's, it's still a bizarre selection, whatever way you look at it. Um, but look, if he's going to kick goals like that, then he's going to do more than Noah's doing. I, I just read an article where someone giving player ratings for the, for the Wallaby team. And um, he was the only one on the team that got a 10. And yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Like, I, th- I think in terms of composure, he didn't overplay his hand. He, he has this wrecking ball outside him um, who's been on fire lately, Karebi. Unbelievable. And I think, you know, he, he probably did some kicks that you would say were not great kicks in general play, and he did some other stuff that wasn't fantastic. But overall, he was, he was pretty rock solid for a guy that hasn't played test footy for four years. And has been playing Japanese second division. Um, that's the thing, but, though. Like the, the te- that's I'm always I'm always going to sound like the, the pessimist for saying, look, he kicked eight from eight. His kicking was fantastic. His gameplay was probably a seven. Yeah, it's a, generous. His kicking, yeah. his kicking was pretty average. Um, he looked a little bit lost in attack at times. Uh, and, you know, besides feeding Samu Karevi the ball, you know, he wasn't creating attacking things. So, you know, I, I, I still don't think it's correct to just go, holy shit, he's the best. You know, that's a 10 out of 10. Wow. You know, he probably had a, a six and a half game with a 10 boot. Yeah. And I, th- I think 
as an outsider looking in, the the mental effect that he had on the rest of the team, you could probably add another point or two to his overall tally for the way he played. Um, but in terms of his just pure rugby performance, taking us out, taking out all the emotion and all the external noise, I, I completely agree with you. It was a solid performance without being outstanding, really. Yeah, he was he was he was good. He was he was good. Like, but if it was if that was sort of Bernard Foley, you know, and we'd end up losing that test, but like people would be going, what the where what were those kicks? You know, where was he? What was he doing in this? You know, like they would. They'd, it would come under some critique, but that's the thing. If you have it, if you if you're knocking ten from ten or eight from eight or seven from seven, then you buy yourself that sort of special teams value, and that's 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 what he bought last time. Mate, the, the problem with talking a lot of shit on the internet, like I do, is that you often forget what you've been saying. But I think what what he's done. Um, winning tends to fix a lot of problems, right? And I think a lot of people are dubious about him bringing in. I think we were both they've got from winning a test match is a much needed boost to the sport in this country. Can we agree? Can that 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 even for the boost of winning a game, it was worth doing on its own. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think. Like you, you, sort of like we've been saying in that it doesn't matter how we win, what it looks like, who we're playing, whether we're playing Pakistan or we're playing the All Blacks. We, like you, you get a win up in any fashion and everyone goes ballistic. So last night was, a, was it actually when you break it down, but the, besides the fact we're in the lead and we did some stuff, you had a, you had a game with one try and eight penalties. Or six penalties, yeah. so it's not a conventionally interesting game. The fact we're in the lead interested a lot of people. Hundred percent agree with you. Uh, the other thing, the other big thing I noticed about last night is that, from my memory, that was the first test uh, of the recent sort of series that our line out actually functioned, and the ability to actually put some pressure on because we won a line out was something that we haven't been able to do. Yeah. What did you see there? Was it something the Springboks seemed to be giving us the front of the line out and just like letting us take it for some reason? Yeah, it was really bizarre. They picked off, uh, Ebenezer picked off the first line out sort of slide forward two ball and then just left it. So I think we had Swinton at the sort of two, two hole, two and a half, and they just hit him for the rest of the night, which I have no qualms with, to be honest. If, if that, any, anything else interesting that you took away from last night? Oh, mate, my main thing is I, I, I can't believe, like, the era of rugby we're in, yellow cards are so prevalent. Does it, my head. It is fucking insane how many cards. Like, back, you know, 10 years ago, if there was a card in the game, something's gone on, you know. What, the, test matches is average two cards now. They'd have to. Um, it's it's It's... It's fucking, it's insane. And like the amount of times either we end up playing a team with 14 men or we have 14 men, it's almost 100% of games. Like if there was a bet, speaking of betting, we don't bet, but if we did, we'd bet well. And you could bet on just one card being in a game, I'd put my house on. It's a guarantee. Um, I don't like how they, they the play goes on. 
then they've blown the scrum or some other issue. And then the referee goes, oh, hold on one sec. I just want to go back and look at this. And then they look at it in one angle, then another angle, then another angle, then slow it down, then freeze frame. And then they go, well, what, what do you think? And I'm going, if it's not immediately obvious, why is it a penalty? Why is oh, it a sin bin? That English guy last night was bizarre. He was, and I, I know he'll hear this. He was fucking bizarre. He, he did some crazy shit. He was, at one time he, he, there, there was a sort of knock-on penalty. He said, "Oh, if if it's if he's offside, I'll see it on the review on the on the replay." And he sort of just looked up and then blew the penalty. He was <laughs> bizarre. Um, like Khaleesi's one, like Khaleesi almost got punished for something that might have happened. They said, like you know, if Tom Banks hadn't put his hand down there, that would have been a dangerous tackle. And it's like, but it didn't happen. That's not what fucking happened. You like, you got to penalise what happened. Um, to be honest, I thought the worst, and uh, you know what, uh, like the uh, old mate's one with the intercept. That sort of happens these days. Whatever. Um, for Lau's in the most, like he's in the most strife of, of all of them, I think. Because I don't know if I'm sure you saw. He did about five of them before he actually got caught. Um, but yeah. like, he genuinely cannonballs. Like he doesn't wrap arms at all. He just jumps to that knee. Like, Mate, Willie LaRue, I, I think Willie LaRue's uh, yellow card was questionable as well. Like, it, it, you know, if, you, if you're going for an intercept, like what are people supposed to do? It's almost a reflex reaction. And he, I think he was going for an intercept. But it, I think if you're going like that, yes, fair enough. But if you're going like that. That's what Mertens was saying. And Mertens is always, you know, I, I think he's somewhat the voice of reason sometimes. But... He, you know, he grew up in the era where a knockdown was a knockdown. Like, you knock the ball down. That's you I, stop a play. I think what they should do is there should be the, the assistant referee up in the sky, and, and their job is to look for foul play. And if foul play happens, they tell the ref, and they don't stop the game for five minutes to go, look at this angle, look at this angle, look at this angle. I think it's become a little bit of a blight. I, I don't know what rugby league's like, but in, certainly in rugby... No one wants to fucking see that. There's got to be a better way of doing it. There has to be. And they, I would say rugby league, particularly this year, like they sort of changed out a massive rule change, but they just do it quicker. They do it fucking fast. If someone's on report, he'll be like, hold on, in my ear, you're on report for the play five minutes ago. Um, let's go. You know, they will slow it down occasionally, but it's nowhere near like last night where it was like, mate, I want you to have a look and you have a look and, We'll all have a chat after that. Like, what are we on? We're on the clock here, mate. We're getting charged by the minute. If we had won, if we had lost that game, there would be an uproar over it, I think. Um, I think the fact that we won, people are generally looking at the optimistic side of it. Question for you. If all Australia did was box kick, kick it into the corners, apply set-piece pressure at line-out, maul, had the best scrum in the world, kicked 10 goals a test match and won every game, would you care? No. No one would care. No one would care. I mean, every Australian would, like, they'd have an overnight change of reaction. In in the same way that, like, you know, you might get the odd New Zealand fan who's like, at least we're entertaining. Yeah, but, you know, if you lost the World Cup final, then you're... Number two, you can be as entertaining as you like in second. Um, that's what the box do. They're, they're still the best at it. I mean, they lost the game. That's what's great about rugby. But no, no one cares. 
Australia clearly doesn't care because the last night game wasn't it wasn't like a shootout. It wasn't a shootout in terms of try sense. It was a it was a penalty kickathon. So no one cares. Look at the social media. It's great. It's going to be very interesting to see them bounce back this week because there will definitely be a bounce back, and I hope we are ready for it. Let's talk about Sonny Bill Williams' commentary. Fuck. To bring a positive into this. <laughs> Mate. You go. <laughs> I, I, I like what Stan are doing. I like it. They're, they're, what they've done for the game in this country has been significant already. But every single person who's won a Rugby World Cup that lives in this area doesn't need to be a commentator, in my opinion. I, I like some of them. I dislike some of them. That's just human beings. I think Drew Mitchell has not improved as a commentator since his first test match, since his first game. Only my opinion. <laughs> I'm trying to be as positive as possible, but... Oh, I, I agree with you about Stan. Stan are awesome. Um, you know, they factor they still they show everybody they're, they're turning this into New Zealand. They show every game of rugby, you know, two guys are passing a ball in Dubbo, they'll have it on TV, which is great. Um the commentary the Sunny Bill is the worst commentator in the world, bar none. Um that he he sort of he and I I just posted something. He I advocate for him as one of the better athletes to ever live. And like I'll I will argue with people, mate. Fuck LeBron. Like, Sonny Williams, he fights. He plays multiple sports. He's big, he's strong, he's fast. But he is such a bad commentator. It's unbelievable. And they throw to him. And he just says stuff. So, I know I messaged you last night. <laughs> His first quote of the night was, you know, people forget Quaid's been the best 5'8 for us, you know, over the last 20 years. Most successful. Most successful. What the fuck are you talking about? And, you know... A lot of people will let that one slide, right? Because they're like, whatever, him and Quaid are, are boys. But when he said, see, Khaleesi's mum died before she would gave birth to him, that got the crowd going and that got some media attention. Um, I, I feel very similarly, similarly to Campo, like obviously a Wallaby legend, but in my view, he's, he's not a commentator. Oh, he's terrible. You know, and they've got him there and it's nice. It's really nice that they're giving him whatever they're giving him, but but he doesn't add any value to me. I yeah, I, he's there to capture. I think he's there to capture the generation, maybe you know, like our parents' generation, where it's like, oh, Campo, um, but not over. He's not well liked um, across the sport, and he's a fun, he's a fickle character. He sort of thinks he should be coaching the Wallabies and general manager of the ARU, and. He's just—he's not a good commentator. So between those two, there's Andrew Mitchell. There's some serious shit going on. Nick McCardle is like this. He's just carrying the team. He's just <laughs> on his shoulders, just absolutely striding every weekend. They, I, I don't mind Justin Harrison. Oh, um, fucking <laughs> string. He's—he's <laughs> he's at least he's confident in his convictions, and he's—he's he's got a little bit of personality behind what he's saying. So I don't mind that. Hey, if, he, if you found personality in there, Chubby, let me know because your eyes, your ears must be absolutely elite. He is just, he just dredges on. Oh, and I um, Did you watch the Argentinian game, the all black game? 
yeah, mate, that that um that actually could have been a hundred. The they couldn't execute. They just missed every last pass in the first half. Um, it was like what fourteen nil half time or seven. It was, it was nothing. And then, as it so happens, the pass sticks and they were on. But the highlight of the game, both the Barretts were just doing crazy shit. Nepo Lalala putting Pablo Matera in a body bag in the first sixty seconds. Best. Best, best thing I've ever seen. Best carry of the game. Fucking best thing I've ever seen. It was fantastic. Like I like Pablo Matera, but sometimes he gets a little bit of emotional, a little bit annoying for me. So to to have him just body bag really fast, I enjoyed that. Mate, I I don't see like I, I was talking to, to someone about this the other day. I genuinely believe the Wallabies are improving. They've definitely gotten better. The problem is the All Blacks are also getting better. So for us to bridge that gap, we're going to have to get better two times as fast as they are improving hmm. to be even competitive with them because they're be very interesting to see them against a full-strength Springboks team who's in form to see because that will determine who's the number one team in the world. Based off last night's games, I, I don't think anyone beats the All Blacks at the moment. Yeah, I mean, rugby's one of those fickle things. Like, you know, anyone can beat anyone on a day and a lot of teams bank on that week in, week out. And last night, you know, a, the, the world's best team got beaten by, you know, the world's number fifth best team. Um, I, I still think I sort of take it as a grain of salt in this big scheme of the South African box, which is, you know, two or three years. You know, it's for me, it's still just a game. They've lost it. And if they think there's not going to be repercussions, they're fucking, you know, they know as soon as they got off that field, Rassi Erasmus has got them all nude, smacking them or something. Like, he's going to be losing his mind. So, and same with the, you know, South Africans back home. Their expectations are now very high. So, I still think it'll be a cracking showdown between the All Blacks and SA. That's the most exciting games, uh, two games for me. I forgot to ask you the scrum last night. What did you make of it for the Wallaby game? Yeah, Alan did. Alan did was doing a good job on Kitsov. Um, this is obviously where we're going to get the most followers. Um, but Alan was doing a good job on Kitsov. He didn't Kitsov didn't look comfortable at all. Bell still got done three or four four times. He just it's just going to happen. He's a young he's a young kid. In I, I think I said last week in five years Bell's going to look back at himself and go, man, I was young then. Like, I'm, I'm old now. Um, it was funny when Tupo came on, he actually got shoved once or twice, which is the first time I've seen him get shoved in a while and then obviously delivered with the final scrum. So it was actually a, it was a night of sort of back and forth. I think the, the penalty count would certainly say South Africa had the better of it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, the, the, the little, oh, I can't remember his name, his powerful unit came on for Springboks at Loosehead. He actually, oh, I like him. What is his name? He gave um he, he gave Tupo some strife. And I think um, to, yeah. To be to be brutally to be completely fair, I think he's come on with the two best front rowers in world rugby at the moment. Malcolm Mars and um Kosh. Kosh? Is it Kosh? What, the tight end, yeah. Yeah, I I love watching those two big humans roam around the field, mate. It is if that doesn't get people back watching our sport, I don't know what. Kosh is so big. I was I was looking at him last night, and shows me up and marks. They they're they're very big people. Um, so yeah, Slips Slips was always going to be in a bit of strife there, but.
But I think it was, I, I think for the first time in probably like 30 games for Tupo, he's actually stood up after a scrum and gone, oh, I can't, I can't fuck around here. Um, that was kind of interesting. I got to bring it up, mate. Um, not that either of us gamble, and I no. certainly never ever gamble. Never, never ever. But um, if we were to pick the two Springbok hookers as try scorers last night, that actually paid reasonably well. Yeah. So look, as a non-gambler, what I've heard is that you know it's nice to get a two-dollar win or two-to-one or three-to-one, but it's really nice to get a 10, 12, 10, 11, 12 to one, which is about what it was at last night. Um, for me, it was never really in doubt. It was about the first hook of getting across. If he got across, it was done. So as soon as he scored, I knew we were, I knew, uh, we were hypothetically home, which we weren't because we don't gamble. Um, but it's, yeah, look, definitely stay tuned for them. They'll, they'll be one of them a week. It's, unions are notoriously difficult to gamble on because it's a little bit more random. But uh, yeah, I think with also that's what's happened because the Wallabies won. I'm hoping Sportsbet loses its marbles for next week. Which um, they will. That they will definitely. And the odds just go crazy. The lines too, like it would be fantastic. Um, and then the money will be made. Anything else interesting happening in your world? Oh, look, I think we really had to. I really wanted to talk about the the, the yellow card just because it, it, it's just becoming such a just just a standard part of our game. It's insane. Um, we had planned to talk about managers and management at some point, but I think we'll do that in another in another cast. Yeah, I, I look. Both of us are heavily involved in that world. Let, let's save that for a separate episode. Yeah. Um. Mate, I've got I've got nothing else. What I wanted to ask you, if you if you were an aspirational Fords coach, who would you look at in world rugby for scrummaging and, and mauling? In terms of teams. Yeah. Well, I think right here at home, you've got a very good, you've got a very like Dan McKellar's clearly doing something very, very right in the yeah. ACT. And I would uh, have tentatively planned at some point that I would like to go down there. Um, he's doing something very, very right with the malls. Um, scrum wise, we did you see our, our scrum coach last night spent the whole night filming on his iPhone. Did you notice that? I did notice that. Every time he went out to the, the huddle, they were standing there with the camera. And if you notice at half time as well, there were guys standing around for yeah. both dressing rooms actually filming the, the chats. Did, do you know anything about that? No idea, but that, that's all I've seen of Petrus so far, our scrum coach, is that he's had his... Are you allowed an iPhone on the fucking field during a test match? The only thing I can assume, mate, is maybe Dave Rennie on, and the other coaches want to actually have a look at what's being said. Maybe. maybe. Is that or some sort of very, very, very early docker of us winning the next World Cup and where it all started? Jeez, I hope that's not it. I hope we do win it, but I hope that's not the reason they're doing it. Yeah, look, I'd go to like I'd go to Dan McKellar here. I think he's fantastic. Um, scrummaging coach, I, I I wouldn't. I'm not 100 percent sure. I'd love to see how South Africa do it. Um, there'd obviously be there'd be some great guys going around in England. And um, where's where's Noriega when I need him? He was my man all coming up. Where's Pato? I think he's in France at the moment. Yeah, I want him back. He was the man. Yeah, all I, I did a session with him once, and what the only feedback I got is just push harder, just push harder back like he's a back, back his spoon. 
Yeah, push harder, Bucks. Buck is cool. Okay, I'll push harder. For those who have no fucking idea what we're talking about, Patricio Noriega, big giant tight head uh, for the Wallabies of Argentinian descent. Or Argentinian descent, well known for eating 18 serves of red meat a week. He, that was what he was famous for. And he was the Wallaby scrum coach sort of in the in the early part of last decade. And he sort of did a lot of lot of academy stuff. And he would only ever say Baki Spoon. Man, I've, I've got a theory about coaches. And um, Noriega was one of the most naturally talented rugby players we've had in the front row specifically. But I think guys who are that naturally talented don't really trash trend. I'm slurring my words already transition well into the coaching world because something they know how to do naturally is very hard to explain if they didn't have to work it out too much. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's so natural to him that he actually can't enunciate it. It's like, it's like breathing. So he's like, why, why can't you do it? You're all yeah, hopeless. That's right. And I think someone that might have had to work a little bit harder to actually make it as a career tends to be a little bit better as a coach because they had to actually work it out how to do it. Yeah, it was like, at this point, I had to do this because I wasn't doing this. Whereas if you rock up on day one and you can do everything, you know, you're, pro- you know, you're probably not going to be a great coach because you, you, you literally never learned. Just push harder. Just push harder. It's so <laughs> fucking simple. Actually, we might get a message to the Wallabies this week. Just push harder. Mate, let's finish on this. What are you anticipating this weekend from both games? Uh, all Blacks playing Argentina again. Yeah, it'll be a ham- another hammering. Um, I'd be surprised. I'd be surprised if Argentina try and play football again. I be think very- it'd be worse. And this goes to your point. I was actually thinking this during that game. People play the are people playing the wrong tactics against the All Blacks. They're all trying to play footy against them. And, oh. and to me, I'm thinking, why wouldn't you try and strangle them? You know, because it, uh, it's crazy. Like Argentina are the most negative team on the planet who rocked up and were like, right, let's play a game of touch footy with the king of touch football. Um, if they do that again and the passes stick, they will lose by 45 to 50. If they rock up and they're like, okay, World Cup time, you know, it'll drop down. It'll drop down into the 20s. I think. I- I think that'll be a tough game for Argentina. I think that the All Blacks very rarely put two similar performances together. They tend to always learn from their last game. So they would have looked at the game, learned a lot, and I think they'll be even better this week. I think the look, I, I I'm going to wait to see the I want to see the odds of all of these games, uh, you know, just in case I was a, a gambler. But I, look, I. The, to be a good, to be a world-class team, you've got to, you've got to string wins, right? So we have to string wins. You know, logic would dictate that we wouldn't win two games in a row against the Springboks. Prove me wrong, but I think the Springboks are going to literally not be allowed back in the country if they don't beat us this week. So I'm fairly confident that the blocks are going to, wherever they are right now, they're getting punished by Rassi Erasmus. I... I'm, I'm very much with you on that one. I, I think the Springboks very rarely have two subpar games in a row. I think they probably were subpar last night. Uh, I think that helped us. And um, I don't know. I, I just, for, for the good of rugby in this country, if we want another game, you can just start to see the mood lift, the negativity. Okay, well, let's, say, let's say we lose this game 
win the next two. How are we feeling? Uh, I'd, I'd feel reasonably optimistic. Yep. I would say if you could take at the start of the series, if you went to Dave Rennie and said, you're not going to win against the All Bucks, you have one against South Africa and you win all this Argentinian ones, he'd probably yep. take that. Yeah, I think he would too. Mate, uh, let's talk next week. I think I think there's a lot to talk about next week. Um, there's a spring tour being talked about. There's some shoot shield stuff coming up. Um, might actually write some notes and prepare some stuff for a chat. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we can. <laughs> Fine buzz flow. How long have we been on for? I've no I've no fucking idea. Probably 20, 30 minutes. Always a pleasure, mate. All right, mate. Talk to you. Yeah, have a good hour. Oh, yeah. Morning. Morning for me. <laughs> See you, mate.